witnesses are very important. And today we're going to be looking at witnesses of the resurrection. In fact, 10 of them specifically. Um, 10 witnesses of the resurrection. There's all kinds of different witnesses. There's those witnesses that they would say are the lay witnesses. They've actually seen what's taking place in, in, in a situation. Um, and uh, some of you may have been lay witnesses before in a court. I have. Uh, then you have expert witnesses and those who, who are specialized in a specific area. And they're able to speak um, with an uh, academic intelligence to that specific area and, and their their counsel or their witnesses respected that way. Then you have a secondary witness and a character witness. All of them have their, their place, but the ones who are known for actually seeing it, paying attention to it, and actually reporting what they've seen are called eyewitnesses or lay witnesses. And we're going to be looking at several witnesses of Jesus' resurrection today. I'd like to start out by reading a section from the book, Desire of Ages, page 779, and here's what it says was taking place the night before the resurrection. Early morning. It says, the night of the first day of the week had worn slowly away. The darkest hour just before daybreak had come. Christ was still a prisoner in his narrow tomb. The great stone was in its place. The Roman seal was unbroken. The Roman guards were keeping their watch. And there were unseen watchers. Hosts of evil angels were gathered about the place. Had it been possible, the prince of darkness with his apostate army would have kept forever sealed the tomb that held the Son of God. But a heavenly host surrounded the sepulcher. Angels that excel in strength were guarding the tomb and waiting to welcome the prince of life. I want you to imagine that scene. Here it is. Jesus is in the tomb. Not only is there a Roman guard outside the tomb, but there is Satan and his evil angels, and they want to keep Jesus in there. They want him to remain dead. They do not want him to come forth from the grave. But just outside the tomb, there is the angels of God. And they are there protecting and waiting to come and call forth Jesus and to celebrate his resurrection. What an what a unseen battle was outside that grave. With that in mind, let's pick up where the Bible story picks up. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to do a little bit of a harmony of the Gospels today because just like if you were um, uh, several of us all witnessed the same thing, we've come from different perspectives. It's the same thing with our Gospel writers. Uh, they're all going to tell you a little bit of different element. And Matthew picks up with the first part here. Matthew chapter 28. And um, we'll start with verse 2. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 2 is where we will we'll pick up our story. <clears throat> and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. The Bible says his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. Um, the picture that you can imagine this, this angel coming down from heaven and the light of God just shining out before him. And as he comes towards the tomb, the darkness just leaves in front of him. Then he comes to the tomb and he sees that stone that took great men of strength to roll in place. And he takes his hand and goes, bam, nothing to it. Pebble just flies away. 
Then he sits down. The Bible says in verse 3, verse 4, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. These Roman soldiers were the pride of their empire. They never backed down before a human enemy. And here they are shaking in fear, falling flat on their faces. Um, some of them may be keeping their eyes a little sideways to see what's taking place. And they watch some incredible things. As they lay there, they see Jesus come out. They are the first witnesses. And they hear Jesus proclaim over the rent sepulcher, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, earlier Jesus had said, I lay down my life and I will take it back again. And here we see this coming alive right in front of the eyes of the Roman soldiers. Soon as the light drops again and Jesus is gone, verse 11 says, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that were happening. There's a passage in Desire of Ages, page 781, that I would like to read to you. At the sight of the angels and the glorified Savior, the Roman guard had fainted and become as dead men. When the heavenly train was hidden from their view, they arose to their feet and quick as their trembling limbs could carry them, made their way to the gate of the garden. Staggering like drunken men, they hurried on their way to the city, telling those whom they met the wonderful news. I want you to imagine this. this these fearless warriors shaking still from what they just experienced. Um, you know, when you get something that's really scary, it takes you a little while. And while we were coming back uh, Thursday, uh, excuse me, Wednesday night, uh, we were traveling through the major highway through New Jersey, and we almost hit a deer. Um, and I tell you, it just took a while for us just to get over the the, the fear of you know going by a deer and, and missing it by inches at 65 mile an hour. And there's just that kind of, ah, that is the experience, even worse than that, of the Roman soldiers. They are scared. They're still shaking. They don't know what to do. And as they're walking, they're telling everyone they meet, we just saw an angel. Uh, Jesus was resurrected. And they're telling all these things. And then it goes on. They were making their way to Pilate, but their report had been carried to the Jewish authorities and the chief priests and rulers sent for them to be brought first into their presence. So the reason they're going to Pilate is because Pilate's their boss. And they want to make sure he knows what has happened. They're going to say, here's what took place. We want to explain what has happened. Uh, you realize that if uh, a prisoner escapes, especially a dead prisoner, that would be terrible, but a dead prisoner escapes, right? So if a dead prisoner escapes, you want to make sure your boss knows why that happened, how it happened. So they're going to Pilate to let him know. And the Jewish leaders had heard the rumor because remember, they're sharing with everyone. And they said, hey, you got to come and talk to us first. A strange appearance these soldiers presented. Trembling with fear, their faces colorless. They bore testimony to the resurrection of Christ. The soldiers told all just as they had seen it. And they had not time to think or speak of anything but the truth. With painful utterance, they said, it is is the son of God who was crucified. We have heard an angel proclaiming him as the majesty of heaven, the king of glory. 
And as they say this to the chief priest, I want you to imagine what's going through the brain of the priest and the Sanhedrin. This one who they've been fighting, this one who has been their enemy because he says the truth, they now find out that the one they thought dead is alive. What do you think their faces would have looked like? Can you imagine their shock when hearing this? The realization that they'd actually counseled to kill the son of God. The soldiers are about to turn and leave and Caiaphas finds his voice and says, wait, don't go. And then we read this in verse 12. Chapter 28, verse 12. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. So here they are bribing the soldiers. We're going to give you a lot of money. Um, just, just make up the story and say that the disciples came while you were sleeping and stole them away. Now that, that seems a little odd to say, just because if you were sleeping, how would you know the disciples came? Yeah, you wouldn't know that, right? Um, uh, how would they know that it wasn't someone else who stole them away? And how they even know that he was stolen away? How do they know something else didn't happen if they were sleeping? So there's another problem with this. If you say that you're sleeping on duty, there's only one response in the leadership of the Roman hierarchy to sleeping soldiers, and that is death. You're killed. And so um, it says, um, that's why they added verse 14. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So I, I know that this is dangerous for you, but just trust us. I can imagine them saying, uh, we, if, if it comes to hearing, if Pilate hears about it, we're going to persuade him and, and secure you or keep you safe. Um, verse 15 says, so they took the money and did as they were instructed. Interesting. The soldiers in, went into the presence of the priest with the most incredible news this world has ever known. And they left with a perjurous statement. What, a, what a, a terrible exchange they gave. The first witnesses of the resurrected Christ. Now, uh, the next one I'd like to tell you about is found in the book, Desire of Ages 782. So we looked at two witnesses, we looked at the soldiers and now the priest, right? Uh, there is another person that is brought out. This is brought out in the book, Desire of Ages, page 782. And his name is Pilate. See, when Pilate um, found out what would happen, he had heard rumors that Jesus had resurrected even before the priest came to him. So when the priest came into his presence and said, yes, uh, uh, the soldiers were sleeping, but we're not too worried about it. So um, just, just don't worry about it, Pilate. Let them go. Think about it. If the soldiers had let the disciples steal Jesus, the priest would have been the first people to accuse Pilate, soldiers, right? Pilate knows something weird is going on. He's heard the rumor. And so before he agrees to anything the priests say, he goes and calls in the leadership of the guard and has them come in and speak to him. And when he does, they tell him everything. He's their boss. They're not holding anything back. And the book Desire of Ages says this, from that time, there was no peace for him. He realized that it wasn't just an ordinary person. This innocent person who condemned, which should never have happened whether they were God or not, was the son of God. And that's the picture of Pilate. Three witnesses. And right now, none of them are positive witnesses. They're witnesses, but they don't know what to do with it, or they're scared of the information. Here's the next group. And this is found in Luke chapter 24, 
Let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Zakai, thank you. I appreciate you reading that for us today. So Luke chapter 24, and we are uh, picking up. This is a, a great chapter. We're going to spend a little bit of time here and also in John. Luke chapter 24, and starting with verse 1, the Bible says, Now on the, very, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, uh, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So here they are. They're coming early in the morning to embalm Jesus, um, probably hoping that the guards would be able to help them roll away the stone. When they get there, they find that there is no guards. There is no, no one in the tomb. The tomb's empty. Everything's gone. Um, they go into the tomb to see Jesus. Now, I want to point out something here that it's not clarified in this, but when we, we harmonize the Gospels, and we tie them together, you will see this. Mary is one of those in this group. But as she gets there and sees that the tomb is open and there's no soldiers around, she turns around instantly and runs back to let the disciples know. Meanwhile, the other ladies stay there and they're trying to figure out what happened to the body. And here's what it says in verse four. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to them, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? What a beautiful, beautiful phrase. There's a song that I've heard someone has written about this. Why search for the living among the dead? Um, he, is he is risen. And then the next thing they say, after they say that Jesus is risen, they say, remember what he said? He said that this was going to happen. He said that he was going to be delivered. He was going to be crucified. And the third day was going to raise again. He told you this. And by the way, for those of you who are keeping track of this note-wise, that's in Luke 8, 18. <coughs> Pardon me. This is uh, something that Jesus had told them about, warned them about, and here it had happened. And this, the angels are reminding them of what Jesus had already said. It was a fulfillment of a prophecy that Jesus had already known. Well, those are the fourth set. We had the soldiers, and then we have the priest, and we have Pilate, and then we have now this group of women. Mary has gone back, and the person she talks to, let's find about it, John chapter 20. So if you could turn to John chapter 20, which disciples are actually going to listen to Mary? Because, um, you know, I, I, I should not tell you. Um, I, let's continue. Sorry. Um, Matthew, John chapter 20 and verse 1 and 2. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then it says in verse 2, and she ran. And came to Peter, Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Um, instantly, Peter and John start running. Uh, by the way, the other disciple was John, right? Uh, and John often refers to himself that way. So Peter and John are running. And uh, it's interesting that John lets it, wants to let us know that he got there first, right? So, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came first to the sepulcher, to the tomb, there in verse 4. John gets there, but John doesn't go in. He just kind of pokes his head in. He looks in, he sees 
sees uh, everything laid out the way it was. And then Peter gets there. And you know Peter. Peter's going to have no problem sitting on the sidelines. Peter walks right on in. And then John follows him in. And then notice what it says in uh, starting in verse 6. Actually, verse 7. 6. Sorry. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth laying there and the handkerchief that had been around his face, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in its place by itself. So things are laid out neatly. I always find this interesting. I remember someone telling me uh, the importance of neatness and see that even Jesus himself was neat uh, at the resurrection. And then something happens. Verse eight says, then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed. Now you have, John has this, 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 this inkling in his mind, this must be true. Jesus must be alive. So these are the next two that know about it. We don't get the impression that Peter really is solidified on this. But you get the idea that John is starting to say, wait, wait, I'm recognizing too much here that seems that Jesus is alive, but they can't be. We saw him die. It's amazing. He forgot, they forgot what Jesus had said, that he was going to be resurrected. So back to our story. We have the soldiers, and we have the priest, then we have Pilate, and we have this group of ladies, and we have Peter and John. Now I'm going to focus a little bit, because the Bible story does, on the person of Mary. Mary Magdalene. Uh, verse 10, it says that Peter and John went on their way back home. They didn't stay around. They went back home. And verse 11 says this, but, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Peter and John are gone. She just stands by. She doesn't know what to do. She just wants to be as close as possible to the last place where she knows Jesus to be. Um, the incredible faithfulness of Mary Magdalene is one that uh, God has recorded for us in the Bible. That kind of love, that kind of faithfulness. And here is Mary. She, she wants to be as close as possible to Jesus. Her heart is broken. Her sorrow is overwhelming. Verse 2. Sorry, verse 12. And she saw two angels in white sitting at one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Verse 13, she continued. She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Here she is crying. She sees two angels. And even though she sees the angels, it doesn't change her sorrow. She almost doesn't, she doesn't recognize him. She goes, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. And before they can say anything, she turns away. Uh, the sorrow of Mary is intense, as you see it here. And then she turns around and she sees Jesus. But she doesn't even recognize him. As Jesus is standing there, she is crying and she goes, who are you? You must be the gardener. Have you taken his body? Tell me where his body is. I'll take care of his body. And then the Bible says that Jesus calls her by name. It says, Mary. I want you to realize that she's looking for the dead Christ while the living Christ was standing right before her. Um, I think we must remember that sometimes... Um, 
our, our, I don't mean it in an unkind way, but sometimes as Christians today, our faith is a little much based upon a Christ of long ago, a Christ of the past. When Christians are those who live and have a walking relationship with the Christ of today, a living experience, um, a living uh, connection with the God of today, Jesus, the risen Savior. And so um, it's interesting. You know the song um, in the garden? I come to the garden alone, right? That song is written about this experience. This is the song of Mary Magdalene coming to the garden. It says, um, uh, his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful song. Uh, if we were all together, I'd probably have us sit at the piano and, uh, and sing it. But we are, we are not that way today. But maybe when we sing it later today, just a, a beautiful remembrance of Jesus' love for a woman in sorrow. Uh, notice it says this. Jesus says um, in verse 17, don't cling to me. Uh, King James verse says, don't touch me. I like, I like the way it says it in the, in the new King James here. It says, don't cling to me. Uh, I, why? I have not gone up to heaven. I've not ascended to my father. But go to my brethren. That's the disciples. And let them know I'm going up to my father and their father. To my God and your God. Um, here is Jesus. Still hasn't gone to heaven yet. He hasn't seen his father. He hasn't gone up to see him since he's been down. And now he's about to. But before he does, he takes his time specifically to comfort his sorry disciples. The day of Sunday was spent in a very special way. All right. Meanwhile, oh, oh, verse 18. And it says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So here are our witnesses. We've had the soldiers. That's right. We've had the priest. We have Pilate. We have a group of women. We have Peter and John. We have Mary Magdalene, right? Now there's another group that you have to do a little bit of research in the Bible to find. Fascinating. You don't mind turning with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 reveals another group of witnesses. Matthew chapter 27. And we are going to look at verse 52. Actually, let's start with verse 51. That way we have the context. <clears throat> The Bible says, and then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. And then it says, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, in other words, were dead, were raised. Verse 453 says, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So they were thrown out of the graves at the time of the um, earthquake surrounding Jesus' as death. And then they, uh, the graves are open, excuse me, at that time. And then they are resurrected after Jesus. Jesus is resurrected. They're resurrected at the same time. And uh, the book Desire of Ages describes it this way. Fascinating. I like reading uh, so, so well written. Desire of Ages, page 786. As Christ arose, he brought from the grave a multitude of captives. The earthquake at his death had rent open their graves, and when he arose, they came forth with him. I want you to imagine 
typically we look at the death of Christ and I, I don't normally think of dead bodies laying on the ground, but there were a lot of dead bodies that had been out. What kind of Sabbath? Can you imagine the, the feeling of uneasiness? Something weird has been happening. It says when Jesus arose, they came forth with him. There were those who had been co-laborers. They were those who had been co-laborers with God and who at the cost of their lives had borne testimony to the truth. So these weren't just anybody. These were people who were believers in Jesus and actually had been co-laborers with God and specifically had been martyrs for him. It says whose lives, the cost of their lives, borne testimony to the truth. Now they were to be witnesses for him who had raised them from the dead. They went into the city and appeared to many, declaring, Christ is risen from the dead, and we be risen with him. Thus was immortalized the sacred truth of the resurrection. Can you imagine? You're walking down Sunday morning through the streets of Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden, someone comes around the corner, and they're looking a little bit different. You recognize that style of clothes hasn't been happening for a long time. Maybe they're wearing something that's a couple hundred years old. You look at them. You know they're not from the area. And then all that they said, and they say, I, I'm Isaiah. I want to let you know I was just resurrected because the Son of God was resurrected, and I am resurrected with him. Can you imagine what you would feel? probably running and screaming. I can guarantee you the priests were scared to death that they would meet one of these people. It would have been an incredible scenario. But we continue. We have another group of witnesses. And those are, can you imagine the, the, the witness of those witnesses? It's been very powerful. Well, there's another group. We have done seven groups. We're now about to go to group eight. And this is a couple who've been in Jerusalem. They heard the rumors. See, here's the thing. No one believed what the women had said. I'm sad to say that, but that is what is true. Most did not believe. John had an inkling of belief in it, but the others had not. And so here they are. They're wondering what has happened. The body is stolen. We don't know where it's going. No one knows anything. And of course, women are saying he's resurrected, but that doesn't make sense. That's what they're saying to themselves. And so here, this man, Cleopas, he's been spending time with... Um, the disciples, he knows it's time for me to get out. And so he sneaks out of the city with his wife, I'm assuming, uh, a friend of some kind, but I get the impression it might have been his wife. And they sneak out of the city and they're walking home eight miles away to their city called Emmaus. And as they're walking towards Emmaus, all of a sudden, and by the way, their feelings are very depressed. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a person starts walking with them. They turn and look at him and say, Hi. And he goes, what's wrong with you? Why are you so sad? And they said, you must be a stranger in Jerusalem. If you don't know what's just happened, Jesus, a prophet and mighty in word and in deed was crucified. And now it's the third day and, and his body has been taken and we don't know where he's at. And then he says something we smile at today because we probably wouldn't say it the same way. Uh, this is found in Luke chapter 24 is the story. Luke 24 starting with verse 13, but I'm about to quote um, verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then he goes through step by step, 
And he shows from the Old Testament prophecies how the Messiah, Jesus, was the fulfillment of those prophecies. Now, he's speaking in third person like it's not about him. And so they're listening, and he is giving them a Bible study. I tell you, that's one Bible study I wish I could hear. Yes? Jesus telling a Bible study from the Old Testament, proving that he is the Messiah. And as he's going through it, their hearts are burning within them. They're like, man, this is incredible. Wow. So he, this is right. Wow. And as they're getting close to home, they're about to go into the village. And they notice that this friend of theirs is about to go on down the road. They said, no, 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 don't do that. Please come with us. We'd like you to stay with us. Uh, abide with me. Uh, again, another song we have in our hymnals based upon this. And um, it's getting towards evening. It's time. We'd like you to come in and eat with us. So Jesus comes down and he sits with them to eat. And as he's sitting down with the table eat, he opens up his hands to bless it. And I guess based upon this story and a couple others, Jesus blessed bread in a very special way that was very distinct. And when he opened his hands to bless the bread, not only did they see the nail prints, but they recognized it. And they said, Jesus, as they went forward to get him, he disappears. And they thought, wow. It was him. We just spent the last hours with him walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, leaving their food still hot on the plate. They don't even touch it. They turn around and start running back to Jerusalem, running back to tell everyone else the good news that Jesus was alive. As they're traveling, running back to Jerusalem to let them know that he's alive, they're stumbling. It's dark. It's not a safe place necessarily to walk, but they're not worried because they've got a message to give because their witnesses are a risen Lord. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful picture that we see as we go through this. All right. Uh, Desire of Ages makes an interesting statement. It says that Jesus walked with them back to Jerusalem, although unseen. So he was with them on the way from Jerusalem in their sorrow, and he was with them unseen on their way back to Jerusalem in their joy. And just a little point here, I think we can't miss it, that Jesus walks with us in our sorrow and in our joy. I think he longs to take our sorrow and turn it into joy. There are experiences that happen that we may not appreciate, but to know that God is with us in the midst of whatever emotions we're feeling, uh, we have an awesome God. So we have gone through eight. I'd like to look at number nine. And number nine, you only have one reference to. And uh, it's actually connected with the story. So we're in Luke chapter 24. They're going back to Jerusalem. Um, And um, verse 33, Luke chapter 24, verse 33. says, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. Now, as they got there, um, they knocked to get entrance and there was no response. And they knock again and it's us. This is Cleopas. Okay, okay. So open up the door. They let him in quick, shut the door, lock it. And as they're there, they start talking and everyone's excited. They said, hey, uh, Jesus is risen. He's appeared to Simon, to Peter. And this is the inkling of the next person. Peter. God revealed himself to Peter. And not only do you have this recorded in Luke chapter uh, 24, actually 1 Corinthians 15 also records it in verse 5. It says, Jesus revealed himself to his disciples and to Peter. Peter, three days before, had denied him with cursing and swearing. Peter, the one who had been so brave and proud of himself, 
who ended up being so weak and insepid. And yet Jesus loved Peter, so much so that Jesus personally revealed himself to Peter, just like he had to Mary Magdalene. Um, I want you to know that God reveals himself to those who are not the best. Maybe those who are outcasts like Mary. And then Peter, of course, was an outcast in later ways among the disciples until he was reinstated in some ways. God's not picky about who he spends in time with. Those who seek him, those who love him, regardless of their past, regardless of the struggles they may face, he wants to be there with them. So here he is with Peter. That's just one verse on Peter, but I find it, I find it a beautiful story. Now the 10th group and our final group, and that is right here in the chapter where we're studying. They were talking, uh, that's verse 34, verse 35, it says, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And then it says in the very next verse, now as, he, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, peace be unto you. Peace be to you. It says they were terrified and frightened, supposing they had seen a spirit. And they said to him, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I and myself. Jesus reveals himself to them. He eats in front of them. And then he gives them a Bible study. And he goes and shows, just like he had done to Cleopas and his companion, he shows from the Old Testament, from the prophets, that he has fulfilled prophecy, that these things had to happen. And now it's their turn to take these things and share them. Let's look at that. Verse 44. Um, no, verse 46. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. The first witnesses of the resurrection ended up coming out with a perjurous statement. Others were in fear and never had a peaceful night for the rest of their lives. But the disciples, they, they had something special. They were witnesses who had longed to see him. And now they were called to be a witness because they were a witness. They were called to be a witness because they were a witness. You know, the charge that was given to the disciples so long ago, go as the charge that's given us today. Um, those of us who have witnessed the risen Savior are to tell to the world that he is alive and coming again. You must be a, wish, a witness if you wish to witness. If you want to witness, you must be a witness. And now today we may say, wait a minute, I didn't see the resurrection. I haven't seen the resurrection. Yes, that's true. But we can accept the risen Savior into our hearts and have the resurrected Lord in our lives. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have a risen Savior living in us. And so we are a witness to the risen Savior because he's in us. Once we have witnessed him in our lives, we can witness of him to others. Has Jesus done miracles in your life? 
Have you witnessed his presence and power? Then share about him with others and let us all be witnesses of the resurrection. Amen. I like to pray with us today because the story of the resurrection is not a story that ended 2,000 years ago. And it's not a story that will end today. It goes forward because the witnesses must still be witnessing, still sharing that the risen Lord is still risen and he's alive in our hearts. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I ask that you would please help us to see, as John later said, to hear, to look with our eyes, to, to gaze upon, to touch with our hands, you. So when we share the risen Lord with others, the message will go forth with power. Bless us here, Father, today at Cape Cod. Give us your grace, Father. Draw close to us. And Father, reveal yourself to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.